Get ready to rock radio. Coming from London, the brand new revised Peter Ross show. Hello and welcome. Today, our very special guest is a man who's written songs for the past five decades. His songs have been recorded by some of the most influential rock bands ever. Our very special guest today, talking about his songs and experiences, is Russ Ballard. So welcome along, uh, Russ Ballard with us today. Now, you first started out in a band, Unit 4 Plus 2. Well, I started before that, actually. Right. I started before, I mean, I turned professional when I was 16. I was with uh, an English singer called Adam Faith when he was he was just 22, I was 16. Right. Um, and yeah, I was in the part of the roulettes. It was Adam Faith in the roulettes from 19... From the... From, the uh, mid-60s. He was a, an absolute character, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, we were very good friends. Oh. Um, we became very close. I remember having a lunch in a restaurant in London and he had two women, one on either table, and he went from one table to the other that's and back right, to the that other. Was, that's right, him. I thought, I thought, when I grow up, I'd like to be like that. Yeah, <laughs> but we did have a lot of fun together, you know. I was with, with him for two and, a, two and a half years on the road. Right. But um, after that, you know, we uh, we did um, we did Roger Daltrey, the first Roger Daltrey album together at Roger's house, right. which he produced. Funnily enough, the Giving It All Away, which I played on, right. Giving It Away album, and then we did the Leo Sayer Show Must Go On. Right. I played banjo on that. We produced his third record, which was uh, Moonlighted. Do you remember Moonlighted? Yes. Moonlighted. Funnily enough, I just been in the studio uh, because a friend said, "Oh, you've got a Leo Sayer gold disc here." I said, "For Moonlighting," I said, "Yeah, I play most of the things on it." But we produced that album Adam, Adam and I and I just said that we uh, we produced that in 13 days from you know we had the songs already but we produced it you could never do it now but we we produced it from start to finish and mixed it in 13 days when you when you look back at the time that you spent obviously you were with uh, Adam Faith then uh, you were with uh, unit 4 plus 2 mm. was was concrete and clay was that you you were hit with concrete and clay was that you yeah i mean i i played yeah um in fact unit originally they were called unit 4 it wasn't unit 4 plus 2 they were just called unit 4 right and um and they released a single before, which was called Greenfields, I think it was called. They right. released this single. On, they were on Decca, and um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a hit, but um, they, we were very close. I saw them one night in a pub. They were rehearsing in a pub, and they said, uh, Oh, Brian Parker, who's a friend of ours, Brian's written a great tune. He said, um, and Tom's written the words. Will you come and listen to it? See what you think of it. It's called Concrete and Clay, and they played it in this uh, little... It was a like, tiny, tiny hall in the back of the pub, mm. and they just played this tune, and I just what an amazing song! It was just wonderful, you know. And the next I heard, their manager phoned me and said, "Will you play? We'd like you to play on it, you know, because they didn't have they didn't have a drummer, mm. they didn't have a bass player, and they didn't. But they did have a bass player. They didn't have a drummer. They didn't have a full time drummer, and they didn't have uh, a guitar player, a right. lead guitar player. Yeah. So um, I was rode in to play on it. We got to the studio, which was it, it was called Recorded Recorded Sound in um, Marble Arch, right? Which turned into Nova. This was you know, obviously years Fun, ago, yeah. and uh, uh, I had the flu actually, funnily enough, and I'd arranged that I would do it, 
So someone came and picked me up, took me up to London, and I played on it. And um, it was just one of the first takes. I didn't even really know where I was going. I was playing that do 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 you to me, us sweet as roses in. But do 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 do. I was throwing that thing in, and to be truthful, it was I. I didn't know where I played that guitar solo, but I didn't know where I was in the song. I was just sort of like finding my way around the keyboard, but it was like I was still trying to find where the chords were changing. And um, well, it became number one. It, there were two the two versions in the top twenty in America. Mm. There was their version was in the top twenty, and a guy called Eddie Rambo. But I always say it goes to show the power of a good song. Yeah, yeah. You know that it's uh, it was recorded. It's very scrappy sound, very scruffy. Uh, but I decided to put the bell on it. You know the bell. I wanted a triangle because it had that kind of Burt Bacharach ding, 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 that yeah, sort of sound. Yeah. And he always used to put a triangle on you know Bacharach and David things. So uh, I said to the boys, "Do you have a, a triangle?" And no one had a triangle, so I went out into the reception of the studio, and they had one of those little bells that you ring for service, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I took it into the studio and just hit, a, hit it with a drumstick, and Bob Henry, who was the drummer, yeah. a good friend of mine, we, we, were, we were the plus two. We stood in front of the mic and just went, ding, 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 ding. We were working with Adam Faith. We were doing things like Thank You, you're probably too young to remember. Thank You, Lucky Stars. We were doing things like Ready, Steady, Go, yeah, Five O'Clock Club, yeah. Cracker Jack, and all this kind yeah. of stuff. And often, the zombies were on. And I remember being meeting Rod and sharing, we shared a dressing room and, at uh, Ready, Steady, Go. Uh, all the zombies, there were about three bands of zombies. We were in there as well, and another band. But, you know, we got to chatting, Colin Blunstone and Colin... Chris White, we got, and you know, we came from all came from Hertfordshire as well, you know. Right. So they were pretty, pretty close to us, huh. and uh, we, yeah, we became good mates. We used to go and play football together on Thursday stuff. And when it came to, he, he split the zombies, and then um, he phoned me and said, "I'm going to start another band. You know, do you fancy joining me?" Mm. And, and Jim, Jim Rockford, and Bob, Bob Henry, and um, yeah, that lasted for three years. I didn't know. I made a mistake the other week. I played um, Hold Your Head Up and uh, I thought that you'd actually written part of it, but you hadn't, have you? And everyone thought, everyone thinks I wrote but it. Of as course, well, but, but you sang no, on it though, Chris, didn't you? But we all put our, we all put our penneth into that because Chris White came up with the idea. We used to do, um, we used to do Time of the Season, which was the zombie song. It's the time of the season. Yeah. But we used to slow it down and go, ding. In the middle, and Chris White said, "We ought to write a song around that feel. It's such a good feel." came in one day and he had the riff, he had the guitar riff. I spoke to Jonathan King yeah. and he was saying that um, it was the fact that uh, the zombies helped uh, him uh, or the producers of the zombies because they slowed uh, his first uh, song everybody and goes to the moon he's they slowed it right down and he said without them doing that he certainly wouldn't have been successful and it wouldn't have started his, his career absolutely when you think back you know yeah jonathan be... i used to do a lot of jonathan's records did you yeah i did the weather men do you remember it's the same yeah. old song yeah yeah i did a few things with him yeah yeah he used to send things to me and i used to go in the studio and uh 
when he was having his his hot period. <laughs> yes. He wanted to. He wanted to. He wanted to do a form. He wanted to form a super group as well. He had John Entwistle at one time. John Entwistle, somebody from Def Leppard. Yes. He had uh, the drummer from Iron Maiden. Yes. And uh, I can't remember the singer he had, but uh, they called, they were called Gog Magog, and he he recorded two of my songs with them. Oh, really? Yeah. So really, when you look when you look back at your career and you look at how many people you've been involved with, it really is. I mean, are you satisfied with what you've achieved? I don't. I think if you're passionate, you're never going to be. I mean, you just you just want to keep seeing what you can. You know, it gets interesting. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, how how is it writing now? Right now, I said the thing is, I said I think you've become more picky as you get older. It's, I said the passion hasn't hasn't uh, lessened at all. I'm still like a 16 year old. I'm still that sort of keen. Mm. And you still now now I'm trying to find different ways to do it. You know, sort of uh, finding new ways to keep you stimulated. Like uh, the lyric is so important to me to find the right lyric to write to. And I think you go further and you're trying to find a new way to say the same old thing. You know. Well, I I, I agree with you there. And if you look back at some of uh, you know you mentioned Burt Bacharach, Hal David. Mm. Um, you know, the, 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 in a lot of cases, maybe maybe like yourself as well, you don't get the credit because you're the songwriter. Yeah, that's true. And and uh, I always like to look at the songs uh, and look at the writers and you know and put them together and understand how it happened. How did you first then? So 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 after Argent and the success of that, of course, uh, you know, you wrote uh, God, God gave rock and roll to us. How did how did you then go on from there? I mean, is a solo career or did you just say, well, nope, I want I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to write what what actually happened then well the thing is i intended when i left argent i wanted to get a band together go on the road and just um argent sort of made you know when we were on the stage there were a lot of long solos and it became quite quite jazzy you know mm. when i wanted to be more rocky and more uh more like that really and i wanted to go on the road um i made i made an album myself playing everything myself but uh I intended to get a band together. I did get a band together. I went to the States and did a short tour. Mm. did like a three-week tour of America. did mm -hmm. the bottom line. I did the Roxy in LA and things like that. So we're talking, what, what year are we talking this here now? 76. Right, okay. Yeah. This was 76. And um, I intended to go on the road. Uh, I was writing, getting some hits, because Three Dog Night had covered two of my songs. Yeah. So I was earning some, I was earning good money. It was a, I was able to sort of survive uh, doing that. Um, how did you come up? How did you come up with that song, Liar? Then how did how did you think about that? What's well, behind just that? the song. You know, Rod said to me, "Have you got any songs?" Because he was having success writing like with the zombies and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to write my because years before, before I joined Adam Faith, I wrote a song for the Shadows. Oh, the very right. first thing I ever wrote, the Shadows recorded it. Which one was that? It was called The Lost City. Right. And um, I, I did it as a demo. I'd never been in a studio before, and I had this little band with my brother, and Bob Henrik was in the band, the yeah. drummer. Uh, Buster Meikle from the Unit 4 Plus 2 was right. in the band as right. well. He was in the band. This, well, this is when I was 14. So um, I wrote this instrumental, and we put regional sound in Denmark Street in London mm. to put it down. You know, we put uh, Buster sang a song on the other side, but we did this instrumental. Uh, I knew Cliff Richard's brother-in-law and um, played it to him. I played him. He said, what have you been doing? I said, uh, we've been in the studio and we've written this instrumental play to him. He said, you know, that'd be great for the shadows.
and they recorded it four years later. It was four years later. I joined by then. I joined Adam Faith. I got home from Manchester one night, and uh, my mum said um, the Shadows music publisher Harry Waters was uh-huh. phoned and said he wants to speak to you. The Shadows. He wants to speak to you about the Shadows. I thought, wow, what's happening here? Yeah. He said they've recorded your song. I said I didn't even know, <laughs> didn't even know they'd heard it. He said, well, they've recorded it, and um, basically we want you to. Um, give it a title. I said, well, I called it Atlantis. And they said, yeah, but they've already called it one Atl- called Atlantis. Because in the meantime, yeah. you know, in between, they'd yes. recorded a tune called Atlantis. Mm-hmm. So he said, we've got to change the title. So I said, oh, Lost City. Yeah, and I mean, it was on their Sound of the Shadows album, and so, um, you know, that, that had done well. So, I mean, I'd had a few th- bits and pieces that were doing all right, and so it allowed me to come off the road. Uh, but the, I intended to go on the road, but uh, my wife at the time had a baby, it was my son, mm-hmm. and I found it so difficult. I went on the road, I was doing stuff, I was going to America doing bits of writing and doing that, but I missed, I missed the family mm-hmm. so much, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you find, do you find that, that it gives you inspiration being with the family? Yeah, well, it does. I mean, it gives also a lot of inspiration being on the road. When yeah. you sort of travel, you yeah. find, I don't know what it is, there's something about traveling that you sort of gather ideas, you gather lyrical ideas, and something. I used to come back flying with ideas for yeah. songs. You know, you asked me about Liar. Well, Rod said to me, um, do you have any songs? And I just wrote three songs for that. I wrote Schoolgirl, I wrote a song called Lonely Hard Road, and I wrote Liar. Right. But I wanted to do something like, but I wanted to do like a blues. It was like a commercial kind of blues, but mm-hmm. it had that kind of, kind of edgy, you know. Ain't that what you said? You told, you know, mm-hmm. I won't ever leave while you want me to stay. Mm-hmm. Nothing you could do could tell me. Ain't that what you said? Ain't that what you said? Ain't that what you said? Liar! <laughs> Liar! You know, <laughs> it was that element of surprise. Yeah. I always try to put that element of surprise in there somewhere, you know. I, I, I was listening to some of your catalogue today, earlier on. And uh, I played Colin Blunstone, I, C- I Don't Believe in Miracles. Mm. And you know, it has been, you know, when you play something and it gets into your mind and you, mm. you just keep, how did you come up with that song? Well, you see, that's when I was writing these tunes. I'm still with Argent. Um, that was 1971. Yeah. Um, that came from the heart. Like, it's a very strange thing about that song and God Gave Rock and Roll to You was sort of came, went kind of hand in hand. One's very negative, which is I Don't Believe in Miracles. Yeah. And the other one's very positive. Yeah. Um, but it's really telling the story of that nine months of my life, or a year of my life, I guess, more than a year. But I was writing every day. Right. Every single day I was writing. And uh, my mother my mother went into hospital. Right. This is in 19, This was 68. Right. This was 1968. She went into hospital with this uh, illness. Uh, she had cancer. And my right. dad, I didn't realize she told me she had an ulcer. And we, we drove her into the hospital with my dad. I mean, on the way back, my dad said, your mum's got cancer. And I went, oh, oh no. It felt dreadful. You know? mm. But she was getting over that. She came out. She was getting over. She was doing all right. And then my dad went in with a prostate prostate operation and the heart. You know, and I could see, I was very close to them, you know, and mm. I could see that they, uh, you could see their mortality. Yes. And, you know, somebody I was so close to. Yeah. And, you know, they're, there are the there are the people in your life that you know they have unconditional love. It's mm. when you have your own children you realise what you yeah. mean to your mum and dad. Yeah, of course, of course. And so I could see that part of my well, I was living with them, I did you know, wasn't 
And <laughs> they were they they were seeing your success at that time, were they? Yeah, well, yeah. they were seeing. I think they were pretty proud of me. Do yeah. uh, you know they could see I was on my feet and I was I was financially doing all right. And but um, one day I just sat at the keyboard and I wrote this song and it came from the heart. And I was thinking about you know I thought you might show your face, have the grace to tell me what it was like a cry. It was mm. a cry to God really to be yeah. truthful. Yeah. But I believe that somewhere there's someone who's gonna light the way when things go wrong. I tried to make it positive at the end. Although I said, but I don't believe in miracles. Mm. And everyone was saying to me, when I recorded the demo, I remember the uh, American engineer saying to me, uh, yeah, but you, you've got to put at the end, you've got to put, but I do believe in miracles. I said, no, no, I don't. And I was so negative, mm. everything then. I recorded it, and I didn't play, even play it to Argent because I thought it was too soft. Yeah. They wouldn't like it, they'd laugh at it or whatever. I played it, Rod said, I love it. Yeah. And said, I'll play it to Colin, and Colin loved it, and we went in the rec- I played piano on that. Yeah. Oh. I played piano and did Rod, Jim, and I, and uh, was it Rod, Jim, and Colin, and me did the backing vocals. But that was from my heart, you know, and uh, I went into a bit of a bit of a low, but after that, you know, when I came out of it, I came out of that low, I came mm. into sort of like, like being reborn, then I wrote God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was sort of like, it's so, it's just like being reborn. One song that, that, that surprises me, and, and which I like, by the way, uh, is the song in 1975 that was a hit for Hello. I know you're going to say Yeah, that. New York Groove. Well, I made it up in the studio. Right. My friend, um, my brother told me about this little group who were, uh, you know, just 16. I went to see him with a friend of mine, who was a friend of the Zombies as well, fun enough, yeah. um, uh, David Blaylock. Yeah. And he became their manager, and he said, well, can you write something for them? In uh, 1975, I went to... I'd, I produced an album for Daut- for Roger Daltrey. Yeah, the McVicker album. The Mc- uh, no, this no, was this was the Rider Rock Horse album. Oh right, oh sorry. And on, uh, on, on the way, uh, I went to New York to master it. Mm. And on the way there, I thought, well, I haven't been to New York, you know, since I left Argent, and it seemed like. And I thought, I'd, this is a good title. And I wrote I wrote it down on the plane. I'm back in the New York groove, and mm. I just kept that title in my head. Then when I got back, we booked a studio, and all I had was the title. Mm. But I knew I wanted to do something with a Bo Diddley beat. I wanted the Bo Diddley dunch, 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 gunch, gunch, gunch. I had a harmonica, a super vamper, and um, we went in the studio, and I made made the thing up in the studio, because I was given, I was given uh, a lot of free time in the studio. Right. I got, got the guy to stamp on a trestle table. So it went, <laughs> yeah, you I mean, can hear that. built the thing up, you know, we built the middle section. I almost said, I want a kind of a middle section, which is probably the first rap. That was 1975. Yeah. Here I am again in the city with a fistful of dollars. And baby, you better believe, you know, I'm spitting everything in. Get ready to rock radio. Music you want to hear.